welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. All right, everyone, thanks for coming to another episode of Clean Technica's Clean Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joe Boris, and I'm here today with Claudia Vasco, the General Manager for Bosch E-Bike System of the Americas. Thank you so much for being here. And we just got started. We're already having a good time. (laughs) How are you, Claudia? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm doing very well, and thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm... (laughs) We've had some Alexa-related difficulties that were uh, very entertaining just now, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll just skip for that. All right. Well, you know, obviously Bosch is a leader in electrification and electric motors. Bosch has been building electronic components for automobiles, for home appliances, for cities for at least 50, 60 years, probably longer, right? Yes. So the the company has been founded end of the 19th century. Oh, wow. I didn't realize they were that old. Yes. (laughs) Wow. So I mean, like, but I mean, Bosch is everywhere. Like if you've had any kind of European car with fuel injection, electronic fuel injection, Bosch has been there. Bosch has been making alternators and, you know, air conditioning motors and seat motors. So, I mean, this is a company that knows and understands what it takes to not only make something that is electric or make an electrical component, but make a component that is reliable. These are components that go hundreds of thousands of miles that are built to uh, you know, endure extreme heat, extreme cold. And obviously that has been coming down into e-bikes and the expertise that Bosch has built into their mid-drive motors and into their battery systems. And that's really critical because one of the biggest issues that's impacting e-bike adoption and more widespread e-bike adoption these days has been an issue of battery safety. And now this is something where I think Bosch has a leadership role. And I know Claudia, you and I have discussed a little bit, some of the steps that you guys take in terms of your battery safety. Can you do us a favor? And for people who may not understand what some of the dangers are, kind of explain that in a a, a kind of a basic way, and then explain a little bit about how the thermal management and the manufacturing processes at Bosch kind of resolve those issues. Yeah, I mean, batteries are highly tuned, very complex systems, and that there is a potential risk that they are part of a, we call it thermal incident. There's always, there, there is a risk, period. And we at Bosch Evac Systems, we, we pay a lot of attention to battery safety and we go beyond regulations, voluntary and mandatory regulations. So here in the U.S., There are standards covering the battery component itself, but also the complete system, um, the so-called UL standards, which are voluntary, but we certify the complete system to to those standards to really ensure that we have the the highest level of of safety. And as I said, we, we go even beyond those very, very strict requirements and we have introduced many measures to to ensure any kind of electrical, mechanical, or fire hazard. The starts with preventing any kind of ingress of water, any kind of mechanical, electrical separation of cells. 
So for example, if, if a cell is yeah, get, gets on fire, you want to really avoid a, a chain reaction. So really separating any the cells from each other is, is a measure which we have which we have introduced. We are also part of the um, STP, this is the standard technical panel of UL, of the UL 2849 standard. So Bosch has been on this panel to develop and also maintain this system standard. And now, t- now talk about UL a little bit, because we see UL whenever you're a consumer, you buy, uh, I don't want to say every product you buy, but when you buy a product from you know, I, I recently just saw the UL sticker on my son's Nintendo uh, device, right? So, uh, you know, when, when you buy something that comes from a brand name or respected brand, it usually has a UL sticker. Talk to us a little bit about what that UL certification is. That's a safety standard, right? It's, yes. So, and we have to differentiate between various standards. So the UL 2849 is a system standard. So, and we advocate for the system certification because it includes requirement for electrical, for fire and shock hazard for the complete electrical system of an e-bike. So this standard 2849 covers requirements for the batteries, but also for the chargers, for the drive unit, for internal connecting cables, for connector, for display, display units and also accessory product and how these components kind of interact as a complete system. So yeah, 2849 also includes requirements for testing of so-called unintended actuator function, which is, for example, associated with a drive unit and not covered by a battery standard. So UL2849 includes product safety requirements for the battery, but also beyond battery and, and, and that's, from our perspective, very important, not just focus on the battery. Well, and that's hugely important. You know, we, we talk about the entire system and we talk from the batteries to the chargers to the drive unit. Are all of the bikes that are using the Bosch drive units also using Bosch batteries and also using, you know, uh, Bosch displays and controllers and things like that? So our approach is we are selling just the complete system. Mm-hmm. For example, to ensure that all the the components are kind of tuned to each other. And it's from a safety perspective also very, very important to use always just the original charger for the battery. So our charger or our battery has a proper proprietary that's a hard word. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it pro- proprietary, yeah. No, that's a tough one on a Monday. Yes. <laughs> By Thursday, uh, we got that one down with proprietary all day. Yeah, plug to ensure you can really just use the original Bosch charger to charge a Bosch battery. So you cannot just purchase the drive unit from Bosch and get your battery elsewhere. So this is sometimes limiting a little bit the design options for for. But overall, from a product liability perspective, from a safety perspective, we believe that this is the right approach. Makes it also easier for for warranty issues, for example. So if the anything of the e-bike related to the e-bike system has a problem, there's just one contact, Bosch, because we provide the complete system. 
That's a great point because, you know, we talk about e-bikes and their ability to replace cars and in some cases effectively act as a second car, especially if you're looking at like the recent Mueller have the cargo bikes and things like that. And one of the aspects that comes up is warranty and so many of, you know, uh, let's call them budget e-bike options have maybe a one year frame warranty or a 90 day warranty. But the Bosch bikes, because they're a little bit more premium, they do seem to carry a longer warranty. What is the the official factory warranty on the e-bikes? And do you know of anybody who's offering any kind of like expanded service contract or maintenance contract on those? I'm not aware of any extended warranty. And our warranty, it's a little bit tricky because we have we have the, the contract with the OE manufacturer, right? So the contractual relationship is Bosch with, for example, let's yeah, any bike brand which we are which we are. Yeah, serving. whether it's Turn or Scott or Bulls or any of those, right? Right. So and, and towards our OE partners, we have a warranty in place. But this warranty is, of course, then just relevant for the OE partner. And it's, it's of course, it's a, the complete product has a warranty of, of one year. And then in addition, uh, we have a certain battery warranty, which is related to a minimum quantity of full cycles, full charging mm-hmm. cycles, which means if you charge your battery, for example, just 50%, it counts like half a cycle. So we, we guarantee quantity minimum quantity of of um, charging cycles and also then a capacity a remaining capacity of a certain of a certain percentage but this is towards our our um, oe partners so from 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 our perspective when it comes to minimum warranty requirement for example for incentives and i thought we we wanted to talk about incentives today a little bit as well the emphasis really should be a high quality, safe, and a long-lasting product. Because after all, the manufacturer of products consumes resources, right? Yes. And which is why a long service life of a product contributes to lowering the negative environmental impact. So warranty requirements do not necessarily guarantee these attributes, right? I mean, just by- Oh, no, 100%, 100%. It's a combined, you know, you talk about the ecosystem or the combined system of the batteries, chargers, drive unit. You know, a, a, a anybody can put a warranty, you know, a high quality drive system into a low quality frame. Obviously your partners don't do that. They're vetted, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it's a scenario that does come up and you see that in the budget brands, they'll put a highly recognized name, whether it's an LG or a Panasonic battery, but they'll use a bargain basement, you know, the cheapest they could possibly get controller or display or motor, you know, because the consumer doesn't really know enough to ask about those things. So you, you do see that, that kind of masquerade happening. And with the Bosch bikes and the Bosch partners that I've seen in person, you know, I, I, so funny, I actually now have one. I have uh, one of the townies. Which ah. the last time you and I met up in November, I did not have one, but now I can honestly say I'm one of your customers and it's a, it's a really, it's a really fun bike. You know, it has to be the total package. Right. And, you know, there's an article that came out today and I know it came out today because I wrote it that the New York city fire commissioner or fire uh, fire commissioner was talking about 
some of the challenges and they really want to get more strict on not even allowing certain and what they're calling subpar lithium ion bike batteries and scooter batteries into New York city. And I don't know how they're going to enforce that or empower that, but I think one way they could do that is by simply saying like, you know, if we're going to have these incentives and we're going to have these e-bike incentives that, you know, it should really be through a local bike shop, because I think most of the local bike shops are run by bicycle enthusiasts. They understand the quality systems and, you know, they are Trek dealers or Cannondale dealers or, you know, who are some of your other partners, Reese Mueller, Electra, Scott, you know, all of these bikes, these aren't, you know, you can't, not that there's anything wrong with Target, but you can't just go into a Target and buy a bike from Scott or Bulls. Like it's a different kind of clientele. Do you think that something like that might be worthwhile? Some kind of stricter regulation on what kind of batteries are even allowed to be sold? Or do you think it's more a question of public education? It's definitely both. And so I think because talking about incentives, I think we have a great chance this year with the potential reintroduction of the federal incentive bill. Yes. So that's a great chance because, yeah, to introduce it with, with added language, um, we have a chance to just add language to put more focus on, on safety and on, on, on legal bikes. As you know, and, and also what I really like about the, the, the federal bill is the price gap which it initially had of $8,000 because the $8,000 would not only allow to incentivize e-cargo bikes, which are usually more expensive, but which are the most likely car replacement, but it would also ensure that we, that all kind of high quality e-bikes are eligible for the tax credit. So with the reintroduction of, of this bill, there, as I said, there, there is an opportunity to, to really focus both on, on legal and on, on safe e-bikes. So in light on, on those ongoing issues, which you just mentioned, which is one is fire, but there is also the discussion around out-of-class products. We have now the chance to, to add language. And when I say out-of-class e-bikes, then I refer to the definition of an e-bike, which has a maximum power and also defines the maximum assisted speed. And there are unfortunately quite a, quite a lot of vehicles on the streets which are beyond those uh, limitations. Yeah, so, so so for those of you listening who aren't familiar to this, what, what she's alluding to here is that e-bikes, legal e-bikes, which are not registered vehicles, they don't have license plates, they don't require a special license to ride. There are three categories. Class one is a pedal assisted e-bike, usually 500 or 750 watt, I believe is the cap on the power output. And it gives you up to 20 miles an hour of assisted pedaling speed. A class two bike, again, 20 miles an hour, but it has a throttle. So you can ride it with a throttle. And then a class three, I believe goes up to 28 miles an hour. And an unclassed bike, something like an Onyx RCR or, you know, the new, the newer Super 73 that's very, very powerful, 1500 watt motors. These things are capable of doing speeds of 35, 40, 45 miles an hour. And people are disabling these off-road functions, functionalities, and they're riding these on the street like motorcycles, which is 
number one, unsafe for them because the frames are not built to the same standards of a DOT regulated type of motorcycle frame. There's a lot of safety issues. They don't have turn signals. They don't necessarily have brake lights. And it becomes a safety issue for a consumer who doesn't necessarily understand what they're buying. And we've seen you know, some tragic consequences of that, where someone buys an e-bike, lets their underage child who really doesn't know what they're doing, get on it. And uh, unfortunately there's an injury and uh, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of people at risk by doing that. So there are going to be regulations and the more people that come out with unclassed or out of class e-bikes out there, there's going to be more dangerous situations, which is unfortunately going to be more consequences. And eventually the regulators are going to come clamp down on this. And one of the things that Claudia is referring to here is that the Bosch e-bikes do meet all of the legal standards. They are not illegal. They are not out of class. These are bikes that you can get on and ride and feel confident with the investment in these bikes, whether they're again, from any of the brands, Trek, Cannondale, any of these that, that use the Bosch systems, that they're not going to be regulated out. You're not going to buy a bike this year and the next year somebody's going to come along and make it illegal. Right. There's also, there's, of course, the, the problem that there are brands out there who are selling those bikes outside the definition which you just described. And the power goes, by the way, up to 750 watts. That's what CPSC, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, defined so but they're also that's a lot that's plenty of power that's yeah yeah so our our boss systems we we do not take advantage of the 750 watts but there's also the problem of tuning so in in in, in europe the the safety standard the en 15194 includes anti-tuning measures so you have to as a system manufacturer you have to implement those measures so this standard the en standard does not is not relevant here in the US. So therefore, talking about the bill, it would be great if we could add some language around tuning, but around and also around safety. So for example, to ensure that we exclude any kind of tuned e-bike from the program, added language could be something about e-bikes which are not capable of exceeding the speed limitations, for example, by means of any electronic switch setting, software modification provided or made available by the manufacturer. So that could be something to ensure we have, <laughs> we are not supporting purchases of, of tuned bikes. And then also we talked about that earlier with the goal really to exclude unsafe product. We, we could propose language to be added to the definition of those qualified bicycles, which are defined in section C of the bill, which really would define that an e-bike needs, or which has a complete electrical system that has been certified by an, the best would be by an NRTL, which is a nationally recognized testing laboratory system to the system standard UL2849 we talked about earlier, or at Mm -hmm. least the battery itself should have been tested or certified to this battery standard, which is the UL2271. So by adding this language to the bill and just making products eligible for an incentive, which are certified to those standards, we would definitely enhance 
safety and, and ensure that just safe products are being incentivized. But from a from a carbon perspective as well, like from from a simple physics perspective, you know, we like to talk about car replacements on Clean Technica because it, in a question of energy efficiency, it's infinitely more efficient and more enjoyable and more healthful to hop on an e-bike or on a bicycle and ride five miles instead of getting even into an electric car, which might weigh four or five, you know, the new GMC weighs 8,000 pounds and move that vehicle three to four miles. And especially in the US and in North America, where 50% of all car trips are less than five miles, the ability to replace that with an e-bike or with a bicycle greatly increases the amount and availability of resources available to everyone. So we're a big proponent of that. Do you think that this would be an appropriate time or this would be an appropriate bill to introduce language so that a corporate consumer, a corporate buyer, whether it's a Domino's pizza or some other kind of delivery, you know, flower delivery service could say, look, we are trading in, we are replacing or scrapping or trading in a car, an internal combustion vehicle, or even a small EV. And we're replacing that with an e-bike that they would qualify then for a greater incentive, like a, a vehicle offset incentive, or do you think that complicates it and muddies the water too much? Well, we would be happy. But we're if, writing policy here today, Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would be we, we would be definitely very grateful and happy if if this e-bike act made it this year. What you're describing would be definitely a great a great approach and would put it on another level. But I think we need to proceed step by step and start with a personal vehicle before I mean the idea you have is great and probably would make a faster a bigger impact for sure but maybe that would be at the moment too too ambitious it's a it's a lot to ask no 100 100 but that's that's washington right you have to ask for 100 billion dollars and then they give you 50 yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know one of the things that i'm going to switch gears a little bit i want to be conscious of our time contract and not go over the time too much but i do want to take advantage of you a little bit while i have you here and i do have your attention one of the things that is so exciting about bosch is that bosch is a multi-discipline company you guys are in automobiles you're in buildings you're in e-bikes very unlike any other company that i can think of i can't think of another company that is literally part of a building and part of the internet of things in the way that Bosch is. When we were at Industry Day in 2021 in Austin, you and I had a very brief two-minute maybe conversation standing in the back of the audience about Bosch's ability to do things with connected cars and connected bikes and how that too could down the road kind of evolve into a vehicle safety where the car communicated with the bike and the bike let the building know where it was. Have you guys seen any progress with that? Is that something that's in the works and coming or, or is that something that, that exists today? Uh, yeah, I mean, safety, of course, is is of very, very high importance for Bosch e-bike systems, for Bosch overall, but of course for Bosch e-bike systems as well. So we put a lot of effort in this aspect. You may know we have been the inventor of ABS, also for e-bikes 
So the interview. I, I did. I forgot. I did know that, but I forgot it until you just said it. Right. So absolutely. <laughs> if you want to talk about the ABS system, I think a lot of people listening have probably have no idea that exists on a bike right now. That Yeah. So it, it, it had been introduced. The first generation had been introduced in Europe a few years ago already. The, the, the module was a little bit bulky quite expensive but we we wanted to test the water but we just successfully launched the second generation of our abs system globally and so it will be available in in the us as well and what it does it really provides the rider the opportunity to trust the brakes and really break use the brakes fully so usually mm -hmm. you are a little bit hesitant because if you are a mountain biker, you you may be familiar with the term OTB over the bar, <laughs> over the um, yeah, <laughs> which which happens if you are too forcefully apply the front brakes, so the rear will will lift and you you get this momentum and fly unfortunately over the bar. So the the ABS system works with different sensors. So we are observing or monitoring the the, the wheel speed and then. We also have pressure sensors, which then regulate the, the brake pressure accordingly based on the condition of the road. So it just prevents any kind of unintended flying over the bar or also a, the, 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 rear, the rear wheel being lifted. And there are studies out there which prove that if, if all e-bikes were, were equipped with an ABS system, we could reduce accidents by almost 30%. So that's that's really huge. Yeah. Well, and especially if you have a cargo bike and you have kids in the bike, you're really, really sensitive to those brakes and the ability to know that it's going to keep it level in the event that you do have to do an emergency stop, I think is, is huge. That's a fantastic technology. Yes. Yeah, so on, on, on a cargo bike, the probability to fly over the handlebar is less. <laughs> it's less. It's less. But it's but, but it's, it's but not far. even about going over the handlebars, though. It's just about feeling no. confident and not no. you know, having yeah, that extra but, layer of protection. Yeah. It was, so it's good that you mentioned that because we have different different applications for different applications for ABS because the bikes are very different. So the dimensions, weight, and so on are very different. And also the terrain where you're riding is, is very different. It makes, it, it, makes, it makes a difference if you're riding, let's say, on a single trail on natural surface with a lot of roots and rocks and so on, or uh, on asphalt. So therefore, we, we developed four different applications, taking the, the bike features and also different road conditions under consideration. And... The overall purpose is to, to keep the bike maneuverable. And that's, for example, very important for, for e-cargo bikes. Yes, and then you, you mentioned the, the V2X or the, the communication between cyclists and, and cars. And so we have been one of the founding uh, members of a, a consortium, an SAE consortium, which is investigating technologies and protocols to to ensure a, com a communication between um, we call them VRUs, vulnerable road users, which include pedestrians, but also cyclists and e-bike riders and cars. Mm -hmm. So the ultimate goal is really to to warn both cyclists and also car drivers of 
each others, make them aware that, for example, there's a cyclist in your dead angle behind you or coming around the, the corner. And it, the first step would be just warn, just make them aware. And then further down the road to, let's say, to really actively en engage brakes or anything mm -hmm. to prevent um, to prevent the accident. Yeah, so yeah. this is... Well, and that would be amazing because if you look at some of the Tesla videos that fans have been posting online where they're doing full self-driving, I mean, this thing just steers right over cyclists, right? They have to grab the wheel and steer it away. So, I mean, it would be great to have a, an especially some kind of semi-autonomous response that would actually assist the driver to avoid right. cyclists, I think would be phenomenal. Yeah, that's that's the ultimate goal. So it, it's not, it's not, you cannot purchase it yet. So it's in development, but yeah, we, we are working in this consortium. There are bike brands being involved. There are car OEMs being involved, other system suppliers, because in the end, it's about participation. You need everybody, yeah, providing. Yeah, providing everybody has to use Bluetooth in order for Bluetooth to be valuable. Exactly. Exactly. All the same as Waze. Everybody has to. Waze. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> That's a better example. All right. Good stuff. So I think we're kind of at the end there. So Claudia, is there anything you'd like me to talk about or like to mention before we sign off? I know you have a couple of new partnerships yeah, this year. I, I think there's there's always. always if, if there's a problem, either with battery fires or with, let's say, reckless behavior of some riders on walk, board walks or beach walks, there, sure. there is, of course, a very easy answer to that, banning them, right? That's, that's the easiest yeah. measure to introduce. And we see this tendency in New York as well, that there is a tendency of, of ban batteries or e-bikes from, from buildings which is a short-term solution, yes, but which is not, well, it's easy, but we think in another direction. We think we need to ensure, provide the right infrastructure and ensure that just safe product is being used. So I think what I, what's important to understand is what are, what are measures which can be introduced to help charging become safer instead of banning charging opportunities because all those delivery workers, the workers which are working for delivery companies, they are dependent on, on the charging process. They are working 10 days and one battery is not enough. So they need to charge. So I think it's important to, to discuss what, what can be done to ensure a, a, a safe charging process. And it starts with ensuring that the electrical infrastructure in the building is properly installed and capable of delivering electricity for charging potentially several batteries simultaneously and that it meets really all applicable codes, for example, the National Electric uh, Electrical Code. And it's also, you mentioned education. Education is, is key as well. So it would be important to to inform those those delivery workers about properly handling of batteries. So, for example, reading safety warnings or charging the battery at room temperature in a dry location where a smoke detector is installed or 
not placing the charger or the battery near flammable materials, ensuring that the battery is completely dry and, and placed on a fireproof surface before changing. So the key would be really providing a safe, safe charging situation and provide education. That's definitely more beneficial than just putting a ban and yeah, banning e-bikes. I agree 100%. I had a fun fact here that I, I just remembered. It was a, several years ago, Lance Armstrong, and this was before he was, before there was all the scandals and everything else, when he was, you know, a six or seven time champion and he was on top of the world, they measured him and he said for short bursts of about 20 to 30 minutes, he can maintain 500 watts of power. So yeah. the Bosch e-bike system with 750 watts you're you're literally 50 percent more powerful than lance armstrong doped out of his mind in peak physical performance like 750 is enough you guys i promise you it's more than enough <laughs> so i'll have to fact check that but i think i feel pretty good about it you know you mentioned a lot of really great points about the e-bike charging education component for the consumer is there a way for a manufacturer, and, and this may not be something that gets included, but do you think personally that there's a way for a manufacturer to do something like what has been proposed in the past, which is like a battery swap station? Like maybe, you know, outside of every UPS store or Amazon pickup center, there's a rack of batteries and you can put in yours to charge and take out another one and put it into your vehicle. And I know that that sounds like a, a crazy thing because there is such a variety of e-bike batteries and bike shape, you know, battery shapes and designs out there. But if you were going to look at a company and say, this is a company that could theoretically put something in play, you would look at a company that has the engineering know-how, the technical understanding of what it would take. You would have a, a company that has the mass production experience to put something like that in play. And a company that has a relationship with several, if not the majority of the OEMs out there. And, and that's kind of just you guys, right? I mean, there's nobody else out there who has the kind of relationships and background that Bosch has. There are, there are already companies out there who are providing not only swapping, battery swapping stations, but charging stations. And they, they are compatible with the major system suppliers, so not, not limited to Bosch. So they are existing. Um, I am I'm aware of one German company and, and they I think they are starting to expand to the North American market. I mean, that, that's of course a, a, a huge investment for the owner of a building to, to sure. purchase this equipment, but this is definitely a great way to, to ensure safety because it is, as I mentioned before, the charging process is the most sensible or most dangerous process within a battery uh, or the product life of a battery. Mm. And ensuring that this charging process is safe and we are just using appropriate chargers, original chargers with the right battery, that would be a, a great yeah. step towards this direction. Yeah. I remember this maybe 15 years ago now being a conversation with the Samsung and the Blackberry smartphones that you would buy a generic charging cord from the 7-Eleven, you'd plug it in and they wouldn't even let you on an airplane with these things because it would overheat and catch fire. 
And it seems like that problem got solved, whether it was by regulation or by people simply demanding higher quality components. And we seem to have forgotten all of those lessons, right? And now we're looking at these e-bikes and people are seeing a very similar experience where, yeah, we bought this, you know, 1995 replacement, quote unquote, universal charger off of Amazon. Can't pronounce the name of it. And it's uh, now we have a problem and well, it's the e-bikes to blame. It's not the fact that we did this janky cable. So I I think it's going to get solved. And I I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think that it's a combination of policy and education for, for those listeners who have kind of heard a little bit of what you said, and we'll put some of your, I know you have, you had some really great slides at the last presentation you gave that I saw about how the batteries are constructed with the thermal uh, separation and separating the cells. I'd love to have some of those to be able to share along with the article that comes out with the podcast. So definitely if you're listening to this, look out for the show notes on cleantechnica.com. We'll have it listed there. Obviously follow along on Spotify and Apple podcasts, subscribe. And Claudia, how do we follow Bosch's e-bike progress? Is there a Twitter? Is there a Instagram? Are you dancing on TikTok? What are we doing there? We, we have Instagram, we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, and of course, uh, we have our Bosch-ebike.com website. So there are different ways to, to follow us. Yeah, the, and actually the Bosch-ebikes.com website is, is or Bosch-ebikes or, or, or minus exactly, that's really neat because it really gives you a great sense of how many different e-bike models are using the Bosch system. And there's everything from like that kind of, uh, you know, traditional, you know, European bike that you think of when you think of like Holland or something and everybody riding around the bike. And then there's like some really aggressive, like the ghost, you know, E-Riot trail bikes and some, you know, really neat looking road bikes. There's a uh, Reese Mueller Paxter that kind of looks like a car already. There's a whole lot of different things. So if you're listening to this and you know anything that she's saying resonates to you and you want to check out the different kind of bikes that are available, it, it, there's really almost something for everyone, I think. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of information about the brands we are working with and then, of course, the models. But also a lot, it's a great source of information when it comes to battery safety and also sustainability. I mean, those are really important topics where we provide a lot of information. So yeah, uh, check it out. (laughs) Thank you so much, Claudia. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks.